Hi, and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 44, where we're joined by another guest in a matter of moments. We'll hear more from Audrey Patterson, a financial advisor based in Airdrie. And the background of the show today is your health is your wealth. As I say, more about all of that in just a second, but you're in exactly the right place uh, to research for other financial advice too, because in our programs to date, We've covered mortgages, insurances, pensions, investments, help to buy schemes, and loads more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. Last week, we focused on saving for Christmas because it's never too early. We can drill down and look at pretty much anything forensically, but if you have a general financial query, first place to look is probably our back catalogue. Search the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or whatever you get your podcasts, and you'll find us there. An enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis. With me is always the star of our show. It's Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you today? Good, thank you. Phil, another guest and another topic. We'll meet our guest in a moment. But on the, the topic, what made you decide on this one, your health is your wealth? Do you know what? I, I kind of It's something I've been doing a lot of lately. I've been trying to get healthier, but... You can have all the money in the world, but if you didn't have good health to go with it, what use is it? I mean, I don't know. I just thought your health is one of the most important things you've got in life. So I thought it was a really important subject to to cover today. And I mean, one example, I mean, Steve Jobs, I think he had a couple of really good quotes um, when, when he passed away. And I mean, he had really successful business, a lot of wealth, but in the end, it just, it, I like if he died sort of prematurely, so... Uh, which was unfortunate, but I just feel it's such an important subject. So I, that's why I, I thought, right, great to, to get Audrey on today and speak about a, a few things regarding that. Okay, I, I guess that, that entire thing really is, it doesn't make a difference how much you're worth, how much you've worked to earn, however much it is. If you're dead, you can't spend it. A bit crass and to the point for sure, but you get the gist. And let me at this point bring on our guest for today's show. Audrey Patterson uh, is a financial advisor based in the Airdrie area. Welcome to the show, Audrey. Phil mentioned to me beforehand, even now, only 11% of financial advisors are women, which is quite staggering. And I've no reason to believe that calculation is wrong, or if it is, it's the worst bit of negative PR the finance industry's ever had. 11%, Audrey, how did you start out in the industry? And did you feel challenged or, or a sense of sort of additional trepidation, do you think, entering it as yeah, a woman? Absolutely. That figure, John, can I just say that the 11% is independent financial advisors. Um, so there's a possibility, you know, financial advisors being St. James's Place or tied agents, that might be a different figure, mm. but 11% in independent financial advisors. Yes, I did. And I'm sure that's actually where my journey started. When I was 23, I worked for an insurance broker, was venturing in to become a financial advisor. And I remember saying to my boss, who was a sergeant major, can you tell me what my career path is? And he said, yeah, I thought you were passing your time till you get married and had a baby. <laughs> and and that's where it started being the person I am he probably just struck a chord with me and it made me say right okay you just watch me then but and that's probably actually where my journey is going with helping women as well because so many people would have just stopped there and thought okay maybe that's what I should be doing and uh, maybe I should listen to him I think as well when, when you first started out Audrey that figure would have probably been even less at that point very much so well. Do you feel the industry is starting to become a bit more inclusive these days? Well, it's funny. 
I actually have had a conversation with a few financial advisors recently and, you know, I've said to the girls, do you feel in the company that they're in bigger companies? Do you feel that they are actually, and even banks, do you feel that they are trying to include you? And I think that the, the issue is what I just said where the boss said that, he wouldn't get away with that now. So yeah. I think what's happened with the companies is they have not, they've got to make sure that they can never actually be taken to court or anything else. So they're making it whether it's changed or whether it hasn't changed, they've got to make it look as if it has. Would you recommend getting into financial advice as a good career path? Oh, Phil, I mean, you and I know, I've been in it 34 years now and I love my clients, but the regulation part of it, we've gone very much towards America and, you know, we've got this suing society now and we talked about regulation and our regulation is just, I mean, it is ridiculous and it's because people just want to sue you. And my worry for that is who's going to deal with Joe Bloggs because we've got to take bigger cases because of the PI cover. Who's going to deal with it? So there will be, I think, an opening for people who need advice, just general public and, you know, Joe Bloggs and the person in the street who needs advice. Yeah, that was one of the reasons I set up the podcast. I thought, I, I want to try and make financial advice and, and financial guidance as it's almost as accessible to people as, as possible. And, and that, that was one of the main reasons for setting up the, the podcast, just to try and, so if somebody wanted snippets of information on certain subjects, they could just dive in and say, oh, look, there's a podcast on this or that. So that, that was one of the, the main reasons for, for, for setting it up. You know, because people are saying they can't afford it. So if they can't afford it, they're not going to do anything. So then the retirement age is 67. So how are they ever going to be able to retire? You know, so things are yeah. going to be, it's going to be tough. I know. And then we've got COVID on top of it. Get, getting on to today's podcast subject, we, we've titled it Your Health is Your Wealth. Now, you've probably seen it time and time again with the people you've advised where they've they've worked towards things, set everything up, and then maybe because of ill health, that's ended up being like not so much no use, but I, I'm sure that's come up with, with yourself on several occasions before where people haven't been able to enjoy the, the fruits of their labour, but... I know from speaking to yourself, ill health something that, that I think had affected yourself, Audrey, at, at one point yeah. as well. But I, I was just going to say, if, if you could tell us about, about that. Yeah. Can I tell you about a case that happened with a client, first of all, that really made me pay attention? It was a 32-year-old, really successful businessman out playing squash, choked and died, came in and he choked and died and left a 10-month-old baby. And I had done a family income benefit policy with critical illness and it was paid out. And the wife got £180,000. She was a pharmacist. She set up a pharmacy. Her daughter's now 30 and had a nice life. Now, if that hadn't happened, what would her life have been like? So that was my first, you know, sort of venture into it. And a lot of people say, oh, I don't believe in life policies and I don't believe in if they don't have them. It is a gamble. You're taking it. You don't know whether something's going to happen. But what if that had been different for that girl? For me, my journey with health was... Um, my, my husband worked in Africa, he came back here and I, he trained with me to be a financial advisor and I had my son and he was born on the 26th of January, I put my phone on and I had nine referrals and I had two weeks maternity leave. Two years later I went menopausal and my whole life changed because I never had any time with my, my son, I was postnatal depression and then going menopausal, so for 20 years I had struggled with an early menopause. So for me, it was all about, I will never let that happen again. And that was why you've heard me talk about it, Joanne. That's why, it, sorry, Phil, but you've heard me talk about it. That's why I think I coached all my clients to have multiple income streams, you know, because I felt I had no choices at that point. 
So right. health has been my journey from then. I know I've, I've seen it a lot with, I mean, the benefits that some of the policies can can have for folk is something I've, I've seen a lot in the past. And I, I think the older I get, the more claims I've seen people make on policies. And is it, it, it can be a rewarding job. It, it can be sad at times. I mean, I, I've sat in clients' houses myself when I used to be an advisor and, and it is, it can be sad, but you know what? It, it, it gives you a sense of satisfaction helping people like that as well. Does. It absolutely does. I mean, I had another friend, she, one of my close friends, she, cancer 20 years ago, she got 11 months and um, it was paid out, first of all, as critical illness, so she was paid out under permanent health insurance, she was paid out under a partnership policy, you know, so for me, I felt as if I did a good job. You mentioned multiple income streams, Audrey, we'll come on to something else that you do shortly, but I wanted to go back to this a little bit. Do you think there's such a thing as a, as a work life balance or is it more of a myth where the reality is you're sort of forced to put emphasis on one or the other at any given time by external forces dictating what's required it's a good question john i think what life balance when i looked at it i already had three incomes you know the one that's really my passion now that is my passion because of the health part but what i could see with that was i could get more of my time back so i'm actually doing a talk tomorrow in edinburgh and at that one, when somebody says to me, how am I going to fit in three incomes? How can I set another income? And how would I find the time to do it? And I try to say to people, do something you particularly enjoy because it doesn't feel as if you're doing something. See if you enjoy knitting, turn it into a hobby, but make money. And then invest the money so you can retire early because who wants to retire at 67? You know, so, and why would you sit in a one-legged chair when you can sit in a three-legged chair? So it's, you know, when you say, that if you do that then you can have a work-life balance because it's the three things coming together that make it that that's what brings in your income but you're doing more of what you enjoy so you feel like when people say to me how many hours do you work I have no idea because in my health business I absolutely love it so I can't tell you how many hours I work <laughs> it doesn't feel like work See, given that you've lived through this in your own life, Audrey, you'll have learned a thing or two. And what sort of advice could you give to other people listening who are maybe in difficult position with their own health and work situation and end up with similar issues? Don't bury your head, make a plan. Because so many people don't make plans. And if they don't make the plan, you know, for whatever reason, I can't afford a financial advisor. I mean, the talk I've got for tomorrow, do you have a pension of £400,000? People tell me I want to retire at 60. I say, that's fantastic. What's your pension like? Oh, I haven't really got it started yet. I say, okay, well, if you don't have a pension of 400,000, how are you going to retire at 60? Because even at that, you're only going to get 1,200 pounds a month. And they say, oh, I'll get to that. But they never get to that because there's family, then there's kids, then there's weddings, then there's university. Take advice and make a plan. I, I saw you had a great LinkedIn post just a, a few days ago and it was going on about financial stress and how it can affect people's mental and physical health. And, and I think the, the tips that you'd put in that was number one was talk to someone. Number two said, take stock of your finances. Number three, make a plan and stick to it. Number four, create a monthly budget. And number five, manage your overall stress, do exercise and meditate. And I, when I saw that post, I thought that's absolutely brilliant. But it is, do you know, and the thing is the people who, you know, they do bury their head. I mean, I, I talk in primary schools and I talk in deprived areas and, you know, I'll say to kids, this is how we could make some money. And, and they'll say, and I'll, you know, I'll say to them, this is your pocket money. And, you know, one young lad, he gave me a five and he said, Mrs. Can I give you a high five? He said, I can do what you just said. See if we educate them from a really young age, 
of what to do and make that plan. I mean, I talk about a third, a third, a third, and my son's always done that, put a third away for long term, and they'll say, well, why do that? Why do that? And if we can get them to do that from a really, really young age and into adulthood, if we can get you know adults to do the same thing. But this is where sometimes, Phil, they don't take the advice because they won't go to a financial advisor, say just to put £100 away a month. And I came across an app, it's called Plum, and I love this app because anybody can do it. It's just attached to your bank, and you basically just take, you can cream off a wee bit, you know, on a Wednesday, you can round it up in a wee bit. Because in, and I've got my son doing it and he'll see the money going in and he'll say, my savings have gone up, you know, and you can attach it to investments as well. And, you know, encourage people from a really young age just to pay attention. I've often thought, I mean, my, my, my son now is 14 and I, we were literally peeling the days off the calendar till he was 14 because he was allowed to go and do some sort of work. And he now works in a hotel. He cleans um, lodges at a hotel. And he is actually earning an amount that he puts aside and he saves some. And, he, you know, he's learning the value of cash, but it's taken to the age of 14. And I just think if we put, you know, I remember when, when we were in school and you used to get in, uh, the women from the TSB would come around and every kid would go in with their bank book and they pay Absolutely. in like a pound that their granny had given them or something for, for pocket money. And they pay yeah. that in. She'd actually come into school, stamp your book. And it was something you looked forward to, but you were actually learning the, the art of saving. Is yeah. there a gap there you think that, that we oh, should be sort of reintroducing sort of financial education to kids as well at oh, a really early level? I've asked in the high school, actually, my son is it, he's just graduating, actually. But I asked in the high school, and what they said was it wasn't until fifth year. And I thought, wow. fifth year, <laughs> it's far too late. Yeah. And that was why I went to the, you know, to the primary schools, because, and apart from that, you know, we can help our kids, but what about these kids in areas that have no support. I mean, I said to this young lad and he broke my heart. I said to him, you know, we need to run this pasture, mum and dad. And he says, it doesn't matter. My mum and dad don't bother about me. It doesn't matter. Mm. You know, what chance are these kids going to have if we don't try and help and try and, you know, reach out? Um, you know, and he said, he said, I can do that. I can do that. Mm-hmm. Coming back to these other income streams that you were you were talking about and also i, p- I picked up and you said that you, you you were helping women there was something to do with health yeah. phil's noted down a network marketing business tell us tell us about the, the various different income streams that you have and how they came about okay well how they came about I, I went in 2005 to a property course that was our first thing and i liked what they were saying and and i got into properties and i had some good and i had some bad and i get a lot of questions about this one actually because you'll see people saying oh, i'll show you how to buy a property with 50 pounds now to me that's criminal because what if you get a bad tenant and all of these things you know there's good and there's bad with property but i say to people if you're going to buy property make sure you know what you're doing make sure you've got money in the bank um because if there's somebody moonlights like we had you've got to pay the rent mm-hmm. you've got to pay the mortgage you know and you've no rent coming in so that was the first i got up to nine properties and two of my properties were commercial my office was one and one was unoccupied and i said to my colleague who used to own a coffee shop why don't we open my restaurant meaning she would open the restaurant unfortunately she never actually opened an envelope and she never wrote a check so i was full on with that as well and i wouldn't have a bricks and mortar business again because mm. that sucks your time so see when i say have three incomes. You couldn't do three incomes if you had, you know, like a bricks and mortars company and and you did financial services and you did, you wouldn't have the time. It just wouldn't be a possibility. So when I talk about the multiple incomes, it is something that slots in with your time and, and your family and so on as well. And I also talk about three in different sectors. So again, because of the health, 
I was really panicking in 2010. We had to retrain and in financial services. And I thought, oh, I had this menopausal brain. I'm not going to pass these exams. I saw an advert in Women in Home magazine looking for business development managers. Why would I, why would I even re respond to it? But she told me I was going to look better and feel better. And I said yes to it. But I already had these three businesses. But in the February, when I was having amazing results with it, my husband's got a broken back. He broke his back in a road accident in Nigeria. He was having amazing results with it. And my dad had vascular dementia. Not at that point, but a few months later, my dad's memory had improved by three points. So I'm thinking, do you know something? There's got to be something to this. And I researched that. And that's become one of my biggest passions. But I think it's because it's a hobby that pays you well if you pay attention to it. And because I'm passionate about it and I can build it in time that I don't have because it's an independent man who actually started the business and he built it and it's 165 countries. So whilst I'm sleeping, I get an income because I build it in Australia. I build it all over the world. So when we talk about pensions, Phil, and I say, you know, we need a £400,000 pension pot to get in 10 hours that I physically didn't have, I am £2,500. I needed an £800,000 pension pot. Why would I not, not take it seriously? Because by this time, I'm feeling the best I have ever felt. My dad was discharged from the memory clinic. My husband was feeling great. And all I'm doing is showing people to do the same thing. So it's become one of my huge passions. Possibly a difficult one to push here, given we've been talking about the, the strains and stresses that can be imposed upon you from having a, a difficult working cycle and your health is your wealth. Yeah. But in terms of what it's done for, for your own income, I'm guessing you'd obviously recommend trying to source alternative and additional revenue streams, especially as a way of maybe super proofing an, an income in the event of a pandemic as well, for instance, or, or you know, even a turbulent yeah. financial market. So maybe if one's going a little worse, the other will sort of keep things ticking over. Totally. Nobody saw this, you know, so I was just lucky my financial services was completely remote. And I was talking to Phil about that. Obviously his was as well. We were completely remote. My network marketing business actually just grew. It's been unbelievable because it's been a lifeline for people. And it's completely online. And, I, you know, I'm getting income from other, other different countries. Now, whilst my financial services, if I wasn't online, it could have gone down. This could have bolstered my, you know, my other income. And also if I'd had properties that weren't doing well or lost tenants or, you know, say the commercial property, thank, thank them my lucky stars that I don't have that commercial property now. But if, you know, the tenant couldn't pay and everything else, one would be bolstered the other. And when it comes to accounts, it actually also helps. Because my accountant creatively does my accounts and in my first year I get £1,700 back in the tax what? because you offset my loss against, mm -hmm. you know, my income at that point. So, yeah, it does it, it does work out really well. You just kind of answered the, the, the next question. I was just going to ask was how things had been been going over the, the kind of last year or so. But I, I noticed com, coming back to your LinkedIn posts, man, I, I think they're fantastic. And if any of our listeners are on LinkedIn, I, you'll easily find Audrey Patterson, IFA, on there, but you, you put one just recently, Audrey, and it, it was going on about as time goes on and you get older, what becomes more important. And, and the main, out of that poll, the health was the, the one that people answered, the top answer, time was second, followed by freedom, and money was actually last in, in that. So it's funny, as a financial advisor, I, I don't know, sometimes we maybe get hooked up on, on money, but you know, like as I've got older, the thing I realise most is that like, 
your time and health is your the most valuable thing for you, is it? Yeah. I think, see, if you look at the demographic of the age group and that, that would be really interesting as well, because I think you learn these things as you get older, don't you? You know, mm. you maybe start from school and you think it's all about money, 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 and then, you know, you maybe lose a parent. But I think that's what COVID actually did for a lot of people. It gave a kind of, you know, it was a reality check, wasn't it? I think the world was paused for a reason. And we all had to evaluate, you know, what have we enjoyed? What do we want more of? In actual fact, my cousin works in Sky and accounts. She said a lot of men have actually left their job because they've realised, actually, I have enjoyed some of this. I actually get three hours back. Probably, I probably get about 15 hours back in a week now by working the way I do. You know, so when people say to me, I, I, I don't have time to do what you're doing, they'll say, well, actually, I got 15 hours back, you know, because you're working remotely. So... And then that gives you more time to actually spend on you, like you said, Phil, getting, you know, getting out, getting into nature, which a lot of people have done. A lot of people have actually, you know, been inhaling wine and different things. But um, <laughs> you've got the other side of that. You've got people who've really gone to fitness. And, you know, but I think we've all evaluated something and thought, actually, I want more of that and less of that. And in actual fact, my pension's not 400,000. So how am I going to retire? Yeah. Do you know, I always say to Phil during these podcasts, Audrey, that there's a point in every single podcast where I go, right, mental note, I really need to speak to Phil after this on a personal level. And you, you've done it for me for today. I'm thinking 400,000. I don't know what my last pension statement said, but it certainly wasn't anywhere near 400,000. So but do you know what I'm saying? Because I think people bury their head and think, we'll just keep going. It'll be fine. Okay, we've got a wedding. We'll just stop that pension. And then they get to five years from retirement. They speak to Phil or I and they'll say, how much do I need to put in? And we'll say, 5,000, let's say, a month. And you just yeah. think, how am I going to do that? Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? But then you're still adamant that you want to retire at 60, but you can't. Yeah, yeah. Unless I mean, that, you have another income. Exactly. That's that's the thing I was going to say. I I have ever since I've worked, and I started working at well, about eighteen. I've always paid a pension, and still I'm nowhere near that. But anyway, finally, a question for both of you. Um, and you've worked as as financial advisors for for a long period. And a podcast subject entitled "Your Health Is Your Wealth." What are the real takeaway points for anyone listening, Audrey? Look after yourself because. I think we'll all agree that we've lost 18 months. You know, it's basically, it's just disappeared and we haven't actually been going out and the years are just flying past. Just look after yourself. Make sure that you look after your health. You know, and you, you mentioned it there. It's all about, I mean, I used to think these were fluffy, Phil, you know, meditating. And, and I listened to Ken Barlow from, uh, what is it, Coronation Street, mm. saying the secret to long life was meditation. Now, if a man like him can say it, we need to zone out at times because we're in this fast-pacing world. We're all on phones. We're never off the phones. People think they should get 24-7. Take time for you. Your health is your wealth. And that's why my Facebook group is actually called Health is Your Wealth. And by the way, Ken Barlow's into his 80s and he looks fantastic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think he's, I think it's, and do you know something, John? I actually think he might be 90. Uh, yeah, there's 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 every chance now because um, he's he's been there since, since the start, hasn't he? Um, he was Phil, only talking about it and it was meditation. That's what he was talking about. Yeah. Phil, your, um, your takeaway from this. I, I would say I loved what Audrey said about like turning your passion or doing something you love and try to use that to make money. So the example you gave was like knitting. I mean, for me, like I, I collect sports memorabilia. Sometimes I probably pay. I, I find it enjoyable, but I, I've got a good idea because I suppose like anything in life, the more you learn as well. And, and for me, I mean, ugh, in the early days, I would buy certain things, not, not to, as an investment, but I would buy stuff because I thought, oh, I want that. 
And then I started thinking, hang on, some of these things I can buy and I can see I can sell it here for this amount. And it was, I wouldn't say it was like a hustle, but I, I used to enjoy it. So I used to do really well off of that. And I haven't done it for a, a wee while, but I, I've got stuff that I've collected over the, the years and been fortunate to, to kind of get. And I, I don't know, I suppose for me, I mean, it's not an, an additional income stream, but it's more of a hobby, but it, I, I've got thousands of pounds worth of stuff there that I could start selling if if need be but and I, I don't know I thought that was great I was gonna ask as well Audrey you mentioned your your Facebook group um how, how can people access that okay so on my Facebook group it's a private group that just answers some questions it's called health is your wealth and my Facebook page is work-life balance brilliant okay. and my website is just audreypatterson.com it's one one t and on there, my calendar's there. If anybody, I mean, I've just been reaching out during this because I know this is a crazy time and I know there's not a lot of financial advisors have spare time. But as I pay it forward, I have been offering a free one hour, you know, just sit down, chat to me, let me try and show you a path. And if it helps you, then great. Fantastic. Now, each week, so far as we've covered various topics, Phil's given us a look back over his own life story and how it's been affected by the subjects we've been discussing. So, Phil, today, you, your health is your wealth. This, you mentioned at the start of the show, this is something you've been working on recently. So what have you got on that? I, I've been doing a lot of walking lately. And, and you know what? I've been making that my main priority and my main focus. So, sometimes I, I don't know, especially at work, because I've got my own business, I think about work constantly. But, you know, that there's no point having a, a great business and a successful business if I didn't have the health to enjoy it. I mean, I'm 44 at the minute. So I, for me, I, I enjoy what I do. So I, I'm look, I wouldn't be looking to stop work anytime soon. But I, I do think it's like you want to live as long a life and as satisfying and, and healthy life as you can. And so I, I've been doing, for the last two months, I've been doing averaging over 10,000 steps a day. And in May, I actually did 10,000 steps or more every single day. And I, I don't know, I feel a lot better for it. I've got more energy it, it, and actually getting more done at work as a result of that. So almost taking a step back to, to go forward again. But it is, that's, for, for me at the minute, that's the main thing. I'm trying, the, the hardest thing for me is the eating. I just, and, and fizzy <laughs> juice and uh, that, that's kind of like the hardest thing. But I'm starting to just try and get into good habits and, and stick to it, so... Is I'm trying to do that not not just for myself but my family. I've got six boys, and I know if if I wasn't around, life would be harder for for them. So, mm. is that, that that's my motivation at the minute? Good for you. And tell me, see when you take a step back and a step forward again, do both steps count on your counter? I don't know. It's <laughs> funny. I'm going to tell you. I got up this morning, right? I, I was up at four o'clock this morning. Went to the bathroom. I had my phone in my hand to log the steps. That's how dedicated arm logging everything and i was well hacked off I, I walked to the bathroom walked back to my bedroom and it only counted five steps i was like no 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 i was like that's a lot more than five steps i've just done so i i don't so, know do maybe i'm doing do you not wear a tracker i should get one i i've just been clocking it on my phone i'll but... send you i'll send you the link to this one this is i've had fitbits and fitbits and they've been rubbish they've actually sent yeah. me two for one and i get this on amazon 20 something pounds and it's yeah. fantastic that's brilliant. Oh, well, Thanks. Phil, we always do this bit too. I know you find inspiration through various people that you admire and you love a quote. Have you got one that fits our subject matter for today on your health is your wealth? Yeah, they, we've got another Jim Rowan quote um, this week. Take care of your body. It's the only place you have to live. I thought you might go for a Steve Jobs because you did mention it. He had a few. I, I was looking few, at yeah. them as well. 
probably quite a number of quotes we could have done on on this week's yeah. topic. He's what was someone his death is is life's great changing agent. Everyone wants to go to heaven, they they don't want to have to die to to get there. Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask him anonymously if you want us to. Let's get on to this week's contact details in just a second. I'll give that to you after these. Here's our first question. I plan to buy the property I'm currently renting with cash. No mortgage. I've never bought before, and I'd appreciate your advice regarding the steps to take, uh, which professionals I would need to involve in the process. Also, the house is dated and could do with a new kitchen and bathroom, new doors and windows. The garden tends to stay soggy most of the year, etc. Should I use these flaws to try and lower the asking price? Thank you so much for your time and for your podcast. That's from Anonymous in Northern Ireland. I think maybe they should use the time to look for another property, Phil, judging by that, but that's just my <laughs> opinion. What do you think? You know, I've got, I, I've got a lot of experience of this myself because I'm in the process of buying a house at the minute and the first thing I'd say is, yeah, definitely try and negotiate on the price. But I I would definitely recommend speaking to a surveyor as well. I mean, the, the one that I'm buying, the home in Scotland, it's different. You've got a home report. So the seller's got to provide that. Whereas in England and Northern Ireland's the same. You don't get a home report. So you would need to get a survey carried out. Now, there's a couple of different types of surveys. You've got like a basic one, or you can get a more detailed home buyer's report. Now, the home buyer's report is going to cost more. But what I would say is that sometimes it is worth paying that to, to get it done. I mean, we we went, the, the property that I'm buying, I went and I actually got a roofer in to, to inspect the roof. There was a flat felt bit that needed done again. And the quote was about £20,000 to, to do the roof. I also, now again, it wasn't in the survey, but I, I instructed a timber specialist to go in. He went in as well. And there was about five grand of timber work. So we were fortunate. We managed to negotiate the price down to, to reflect that. But the survey is a really important part of the, the process there. Mm. The other professional that she would need would be a, a solicitor or conveyancer to, to carry out the legal work. So a few, few things to, to look at there. Okay, next is Tony in Manchester who says, I would like to look at a career as a mortgage advisor. How do I get into this? Phil, is there a right way and a wrong way? It's very, well, at some point we'll do a podcast on maybe like getting into financial services, but with, with this one for, for specifically a mortgage advisor, if you advise on mortgages, you've got to have an approved examination. You, you've got to have done that. Now, the, the main one I would say for mortgage advisors is called CMAP, which stands for the Certificate in Mortgage Advice and Practice. It's available through what's called the London Institute of Banking and Finance. They, there's three modules there to, to complete, and the cost, according to their website, is £555. Um, it also says in there it takes about 12 months to do. Now, Kevin, who works with us, he did it in four months, which was pretty good going. I think he just studied and studied and studied. Mm-hmm. So, so, and you do also get, there's organizations out there that do sort of like crash courses mm-hmm. as well. Another alternative route to, um, for the exams is through the Chartered Insurance Institute. They've got what's called the Certificate in Mortgage Advice. Now, on their website, that says it's 60 to 100 hours of studying, and the cost for that was around about £350. Okay, I would just say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a a fair few topics so far and we may have touched on what you're interested in. I'm Joe Mellis. Thank you for joining us today for the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. And thank you to Audrey Patterson for being our guest. Audrey, um, just go through for me uh, all these places where we can contact you for the various different things that you do. Okay, so my website is 
Audrey, A-U-D-R-E-Y, Patterson, P-A-T-E-R-S-O-N. And most of my contact details are actually on there, but I have my Facebook group, which is called Health Is Your Wealth. And my work-life balance is my Facebook page. And I'm on LinkedIn, as, as Phil said, but most of that's on my website. Okay. Uh, if you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, you can find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or on the Facebook page for the show. Search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Or why not email him a question that you can answer on a future show? His address is Phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question and he could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured we will not use your real name if you prefer it that way. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us and please subscribe. Follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Then you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Audrey, thanks very much for coming on. It's been great having you. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And thank, thanks as well, John, as, as usual. Thank you.